y'all. Welcome back to the Joy and Infertility podcast. Or if this is your first time listening, we are so glad that you're here. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and this is a place where we can link arms together as we are finding joy, even in infertility. Welcome back and happy October, my favorite month of the year. And it's my favorite month because it's really when fall takes on its color where we live, literally. And back when we lived in Florida, it's when people didn't really judge you if you were celebrating fall by then, even though it was 90 degrees. The leaves are starting to change here in KC, and it is gorgeous. But even though it's my favorite month of the year for the weather, I know for a lot of you, October is a month that you recognize and grieve the loss that you've experienced through your journey. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And because of that, today I'm interviewing the sweetest guest, Kristen Rowland, about her rare diagnosis of a unicornuate uterus, which has led to a couple miscarriages and eventually an ectopic pregnancy that ended up taking her only tube. To say their plans were shattered is an understatement. Even though so much of this is still so fresh for Kristen, she is allowing God to really shape who she's becoming through this and what she focuses on. I cannot wait for you to hear more about her and her story. So let's jump to my conversation with Kristen. Hey, Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, so good to be here. All the way from Richmond, Virginia. Is that right? Yes. So help us get to know you better. Who are you? What do you do? What makes you tick? Tell us all about it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I actually grew up in a little town. Well, it's a big town, but not a lot of people um, called Dinwiddie County. Um, That is in in Virginia, um, like I think an hour south of Richmond. Um, so I grew up there. Um, me and my husband met in high school. We started dating in 11th grade. Um, so high school sweethearts, we are, thankfully, we are still together. Um, <laughs> we went to Liberty together and I studied uh, studio art um, and graphic design and he studied pastoral leadership. Um, we graduated around 2015. We got married in May of 2016. So we've been married for four years now. Um, we currently just moved to Richmond, Virginia from Dinwiddie, um, because we are in the process of church planting. So that is super exciting. Yeah. Um, we, uh, are actually, our sending church is doing a ceremony for us, um, this coming up Sunday. And so we, are going to be sending out of uh, Smyrna Baptist in Dinwiddie County. And um, our church plant is called Capital City Church. Um, we'll be looking for a building as the next step, but we're starting community groups. Um, and so that's all super exciting. Our lives are super busy right now. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a big process. Yeah, super big, but we're excited. We've got a good team. But yeah, so we live in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I am a creative administrative assistant for um, another church in the area at the moment. Um, So I get to help with the service planning um, and the worship team, the creative team, um, just putting the services together for the weekends and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So is your husband going to be the pastor at the church, your church plant? Yeah, he's going to be the, um, he's going to be one of the pastors. He'll be, um, I guess, more the uh, co-pastor, associate pastor. um, And his older brother is actually going to be the lead pastor. Okay, cool. 
And the fact that they already have a graphic designer built into the team is really great. Oh, yeah. Your job is super important in the beginning. <laughs> yes, I know. Our team is super, um, super talented. I mean, we've got people who can sing and play instruments and can design and knows I mean, it's, it's all over the board. We've got a, we were really blessed to just have that, like, you know, right on our core team. Wow. That's really cool. Well, we will be praying for that venture. I know it's not the easiest of seasons to plan a church, but it's definitely a needed season for sure. Yes, for sure. Well, did I see that you also make candles? I do. So um, that started. And they're so cute. Thank you. I, that started like a couple years ago. Um, when we lived in Dinwiddie, we lived on a street called Moss Point, um, drive. And so that was where I started my candle business was out of that little house in Dinwiddie. And so, um, I named it Moss Point company. Um, but yeah, I, uh, they're all natural candles. I, uh, I'm obsessed with candles. And so I really wanted to learn how to make them. I love crafting with my hands. Um, so that was the fun part of that. And then I, the graphic side of me, I just loved branding. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, it's a huge side hustle. Um, I want to do it more often than not. Um, but, you know, working another job at the same time is a little, you know, got to balance it. But um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I love making candles. I love doing anything creative, making with my hands. Um, so I like painting, I like drawing, but I also like, you know, um, doing things that are uh, a little bit different, like the candle making process. Well, y'all go follow her. It's Moss Point Co. Co. on Instagram. Love it. Okay. So walk (laughs) us through your infertility journey so far. So back when I was in college, um, I remember, uh, it's, it's funny because my, my biggest fear was, um, always not being able to have my own children. Without any idea that anything was wrong? You had that fear? Right. Oh, wow. Yes. So no idea. Like, I grew up wanting to be a mom. Like, I was like, I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to be an artist. Like, that's like, I want to, you know, stay at home with my kids and I want to make art. Like, that was the, that was the dream. Um, and I, what's funny is I remember in college, like icebreaker games, like at Liberty and stuff, you know, people would be like, what's your biggest fear? What are you afraid of? And of course I was like, <laughs> let's get real. <laughs> I know. I'm like, so it's not spiders. <laughs> yes. So, um, and of course it was like, sorry, I didn't mean to get so like dark, but it's true. Like, that's my biggest fear. I was like, I want to be a mom. Like, that's my goal. So like not being able to have my own kids was just like, you know, and of course I, I didn't know anything was wrong. Like that was the thing. I felt normal. I looked normal. Um, so, uh, I think it was like, uh, towards my senior year of college, I started developing a lot of like anxiety and stuff just with a busy schedule and, um, you know, wanting to graduate, wanting to like move on with our life and get married and start my dream. <laughs> um, and so I, when we first got married, um, my anxiety was really high and stuff still. And so, um, it was something that was something new for me that I had to work through. And so, I remember praying one night to God, you know, just teach me how to trust you. Um, That was a, that was the prayer that um, I didn't realize what I was praying. Yeah, that's that's dangerous. Our pastor did a series called Dangerous Prayers. That's on there. 
Yes. I just wanted, like, I just wanted the anxiety to go away. You know, I was like, you know, teach me how to trust you. Take this from me. Like, teach me how to lean on you. Like, I want to be dependent on you. Um, and so I can't remember. That was like, probably I prayed that, I don't know, fall of 2016, roughly. Um, and so January 2017, um, we had somewhat been trying. We, um, we both knew we wanted to have kids early and soon. I mean, we had been together for six years already, uh, in our relationship. And so, um, we, in January, 2017, um, I decided to take a pregnancy test. It was really early. I was just like, you know, I feel like, I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to take one, like just for fun. Like it felt like it was right. So I took a pregnancy test and um, it was positive and we were super excited. We were like, oh my gosh, like this happened so quick. This is crazy. Um, So we were super excited. We were super ready. And then um, it was only a week after that, um, that I started spotting. Um, I tried to think nothing of it. Like I know weird things happen when you get pregnant. Um, So I tried to just like... um, not think about it. I was like, it's nothing. It's probably just something really early. Cause I was only, um, when I found out I was like four weeks exactly. Um, and so like a week later, you know, at about five weeks, um, we, I woke up one morning and it was just, it was bad and we knew. And so, you know, what we, he took me to the doctor's office and they were like, you know, it was just a really, you know, early, early miscarriage. Like it happens. Um, and then I was like, is something wrong? And they were like, no, it can happen. And so that's when, um, that's when we were like, okay, so, you know, could we try again? And they were like, yeah, you know, you can try, you know, whenever you fill up to it. And so, um, we tried for a year, um, and nothing, just absolutely nothing. It was just like, uh, silence. Like it, uh, it was really confusing. Um, you know, uh, at the time, like a friend of mine had gotten pregnant and then my sister-in-law had gotten pregnant. And so I was like, something's wrong. Like I like, you know, I didn't think it would be this hard. Um, especially since the first time it felt like it took so quickly. Yeah. That's confusing. It is. And so we finally called my doctor back and he was like, yeah, you know, you guys are super young, but you guys can come in since it's been a year. And so um, we started uh, seeing a fertility specialist and he was like, you know, I want to do some scans on you. You know, we, we don't really know what you look like. Let's, let's go and do, um, I think it was like an HSG scan where they do the, the dye, you know, they inject the dye and they can see the uterus on the x-ray and stuff like that. Um, so we did, we did that. We went to the hospital and did that one day. And, um, I just remember the nurse getting like really quiet. She kept asking me to like tilt and to move because she couldn't find, um, what seemed like the other half of my reproductive system. Um, and so she was like, you know, your uterus is shaped kind of different and I'm only able to see one tube like the other tube isn't showing up wow and I was and of course I was like what do you mean like that's not possible and because I had no idea that you could just be born that way that you know that the other side could just not form and so um the nurse was like it looks like you have what they call a unicornuate uterus um, where the uterus isn't fully formed it's kind of smaller shaped differently and 
um, you're only one tube completely formed that's working. Oh, wow. Um, so that I was, that moment was really, um, it was really weird because going in, I was like, everything's going to be fine. Like nothing's wrong with me. Um, and so, you know, I came out to the waiting room with my husband and, um, he was like, what's wrong? Like what happened? And so we went outside and I told him and we both were just like, I mean, just in shock. Like we, we had no idea that, you know, this was a thing. Um, and so that was, um, the beginning, I guess, of the process for me, just realizing like that my body was broken. Um, and that was really hard, uh, for me. So after that, it basically, they wanted to keep doing tests just to see, you know, what's going on, what's, um, what are the risks, what should we do? And so, um, you know, my fertility doctor assured me that like, you know, it's un, it's not super common, but it's happened and that women have gone to full term with, you know, a uterus like this. And, um, that since I still have a tube, you know, we could try IUIs and it would probably work. So, um, this was months and months in because they, you know, this doctor's processes, they just take forever when it comes to testing and poking and prodding you. So, um, we, I think we did about three rounds of IUI. Um, they had me on like a Clomid and stuff like that. Um, and I think it was the third time uh, we were, it didn't work again. And so I was like, you know, we were like, what do we do? Like, you know, do we, cause do we keep just putting money towards this? Like, should we keep trying this? And so I was like, I want to just try one more time. And so he was like, okay, you know, that's, we can do that. Let's do that. And so we tried an IUI one more time and I believe it was May of last year. Um, it finally took, uh, and so we got pregnant again and, um, I had officially like missed my period, you know, it was like, we were five weeks in and we were feeling good. And then, um, six weeks in, uh, I, was having like some abdominal pain, but I, you know, everything else seemed fine. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like bleeding or anything. Um, and so we, I, you know, I was looking up things and a bunch of other women were like, you're probably just, you know, constipated or something like some weird pregnancy stuff that goes on. Um, it's nothing to be concerned about. And so, um, it was sometime in, I believe June, yeah, May, June, um, the beginning of June. So I was, I was about six or seven weeks. And, um, that one of those nights I was just in so much pain. I was like in the fetal position and I was shaking and I thought I was going to pass out. Like, and so obviously we were like, something's wrong. And so I, I told him, I was like, you need to take me to the hospital. Something doesn't feel right. Um, and so he drove me to the hospital that night. It was really late. It was probably like one in the morning. Um, and they, they rushed me in, um, since they knew I was pregnant and I was in a lot of pain. And so, um, the weird part was for me is that like, I still, it's not like the first miscarriage where like, you know, it was obvious, like this time it was just like, I'm just in like pain. Nothing's happening though. Um, and so they were like, you know, we can put you on, um, give you some strong medicine to help with the pain and stuff. And of course I was like refusing because I was like, 
I'm pregnant. I don't want to like do anything to hurt the baby. Um, and so I, I just kind of laid in the fetal position for a while. And, um, the doctor came in, this was just like a little small ER area. And, uh, the doctor came in and he was like, you know, I think, um, she is having an ectopic like pregnancy. And so we were just like, you know, how is that? Like, that's just crazy. Like, it doesn't feel like that's the issue. And so he, they finally rushed us to, um, a bigger hospital and, um, they did some ultrasounds and, uh, even the nurse then was like, you know, not saying anything. I was like, what does it look like? Like turn the screen. I want to see. And she like, wouldn't show me. And she was just like, I don't see anything. And I was like, you know, just freaking out. I was like, what does that mean? And so, um, we were in the waiting room and the, one of the, the beds that they put you in the smaller rooms and, um, another, uh, x-ray nurse came in and he was like, you know, we don't see anything in the uterus. The uterus is just filled with blood. And I was like, how, like, how is that even possible? Um, and it turned out after that, it was a bunch of rushing around. I mean, after that, they rushed me to my fertility doctor, um, for him to look at it and they couldn't find anything either. It just looked like the uterus was filled with like, um, what they said, what they kept thinking it was just blood that was filled with. Um, but I still, you know, nothing else was happening. It was just what they were seeing. Um, and so I was still in a lot of pain. And then, uh, what's really weird is they decided to send me home, um, which was crazy. And then, uh, my fertility doctor called me back and was like, I was relooking at your, your pictures and your scans and you got to get to the emergency room now. Like it's an ectopic pregnancy. Like this could kill you. And so we finally made it to the hospital. They rushed me back in surgery. And um, at that point, obviously, I was in surgery. So I only know what my husband told me. And he basically told me that they came out and they were like, um, we're going to have to remove the entire tube. And my husband, Joe, he was like, but that's, that's the only one she has. Like, if you do that, if you do that, she doesn't have um, anything else. And so, um, you know, thankfully he was out there with our family. And so they were with him, um, because I think I was back there for about four hours. Mm. Um, and so they removed that, um, they removed, um, you know, any tissue and stuff that they found as well. Um, and thankfully we were at a a hospital in Richmond called St. Francis. And so, um, they kept all of like the tissue and stuff that they found that looked, um, anything like, uh, you know, an embryo or, you know, anything like that. Um, but yeah, so they removed all that. This was just last June. So it's only been a year and a few months. Um, and, uh, the hospital, you know, asked if they wanted, if we wanted to go to like a little ceremony they do for any, um, you know, babies of any, no matter how far along, um, they kind of like, they do like a big service and they put it, um, all the little ones in like this little box. No. Um, and so that was, that was cool to just, um, for, you know, our baby to be recognized as a life, even if it was only six weeks. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, we, you know, it's been a year since that happened. And so, um, in that year we moved to Richmond and we've been, uh, 
focusing on the church plant and all of that. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. So for those who don't, who haven't heard ectopic before, it basically is an embryo that never made it to your uterus. It implanted in your tube. Is that correct? Fallopian tubes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So are they, did they, I mean, you have no more tubes. Yeah. So they, and there's no, no surgery or anything that can repair that. Correct. So the only other fertility option for us would be um, IVF, which okay. we explored a little bit, but given my uterus situation, because it's smaller um, and just shaped a little bit different, um, the risks are just a bit high for us, whether I could be harmed or, you know, if we did get pregnant, um, the chances of anything happening obviously are a lot higher too. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's just a lot of unknown. We, uh, we looked into IVF and talked to our doctor about it. And at least right now, we just didn't feel, we felt very just um, not comfortable with it all. Like I even, I mean, my husband was like, I don't know if I can watch you go through all of that, at least not yet. Um, so it, it's a lot, you know, IVF, um, is an option. The percentages, uh, the percentage of it working for us is a little bit lower than usual. Um, so we're just trying to figure out what God wants us, um, what, like what his, his will for us looks like, what it, you know, what, would um, glorify him the most. And so, um, we've looked a little bit into adoption. Um, Again, we kind of felt like we hit some walls with that. Um, we looked into uh, Bethany Christian Services, and they said their infant adoption for domestic infant adoption is um, they've got a long wait list, and so they're not accepting any more families for applications right now. Mm. So we uh, kind of just feel like we keep hitting walls. Like you know, we're like, God, what, what are you doing with um, with this journey for us? But well. So you have you've had two two miscarriages in two very different circumstances. Um, yes. One of them you did not know that you were going to have issues, and one of them knowing that there were actually problems. So were they different for you to process, or were they both just equally painful? It's a both like a yes and no question. Um, I definitely the first time it happened. I mean, I was obviously you know I was just devastated. I remember just. Um, I remember nights of just like crying and being super just mad, um, wondering why that it happened. You know, it was just, it just felt so random. Um, but like I had that hope, at least, you know, being not knowing what was going on. I had that hope of like, you know, we can, we can keep trying. I mean, I even looked up all of the little, you know, the little like di like how to's and stuff on Pinterest, like, you know, how to like, get pregnant fast, how to like, you know, different things you can eat and do. And so I felt uh, obviously more hopeful because I was, I didn't know anything was wrong. Um, so the, yeah, the first one, it was super hard and we didn't tell anybody for, I think, I don't even know. We told our best friends um, very soon because we told them the day we found out we were pregnant. And so they they knew, but nobody else knew for a long time. And then we finally, I told Joe, I was like, I can't, I can't do this by myself. Like I can't do it without people just not knowing that I'm hurting. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, we eventually told people and then obviously they walked through our infertility um, with us, you know, keeping them updated on what's going on and all of that. Um, Yeah, the second time, especially because it was um, along with just miscarrying, you know, with the ectopic pregnancy, um, we had to deal with the loss of just, uh, I don't know, we felt like we lost hope along with you know, losing our second, um, because when they removed that other tube, it just felt like I became more broken than I already was. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like a little toy that just like lost a piece and it doesn't, now it doesn't work properly. Mm. Um, so the second one, you lost more than just the baby, you lost the dream too, because it took with it a lot more. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah you've kind of mentioned that brokenness. You talk about how infertility has made you feel like a, f- a failure as a woman. So talk more about that. Cause I think that's very common. Oh yeah. It's, um, it's super common. It, uh, infertility. I mean, it's exactly, you know, women, especially, um, especially I would say like Christian women, um, you know, we, most of us, you know, want to, uh, to have a family and bear children at some point. Um, and I would say most women in general just do. Um, so infertility, it's just, it's so much more than, um, and I would never, ever downplay, um, miscarriages. Obviously I've had two. And so that's, I mean, that is a heartbreaking thing that I don't want anybody to ever experience. Um, miscarriages though, have been known to be way more common than just infertility. Um, and so infertility, it just, uh, it, I mean, it, it, it does, it makes you like, as a woman, you have a uterus and, um, you know, women for the most part, like we're supposed to bear children. Like that's what that was. That's how we were created. That's what the uterus is for. Um, and so like when, especially for me, when I felt like, uh, that especially after the second time last summer, after I felt like I lost my other tube, I just felt like I would just felt so broken. I mean, I felt like the one thing as a woman that, that, you know, as women, it makes us who we, I guess, as women, you know, uh, it just, I couldn't do that, especially, you know, looking at, um, all the, all of my friends and family around me who, uh, you know, they, they didn't experience infertility and they, they could just, you know, get married and decide when to have kids and decide when to start and they would get pregnant and like it, you know, just super easy. So it did, um, the more I saw that and the more I was exposed to that, it just made me feel like, um, like I had been stripped of like, of the, of exactly that, of just like what women do. Um, I felt, you know, a lot less of a woman after last summer. Um, and I've been struggling trying to like, trying not to put my identity in that. Um, but it's so hard. I mean, we're tangible people, you know, um, and especially when uh, I tell people often, like, I didn't have a plan B, like my plan was plan A, and I was going to graduate as an artist and be a stay-at-home mom and you know like I said and paint that's just what my plan was I didn't I didn't have like a plan after that if that didn't work out because I didn't think it wasn't going to work out 
Um, so yeah, that I, I have yet to, um, find uh, a friend or somebody who has walked through infertility themselves, um, that has, uh, you know, that can experience or has experienced that, um, that brokenness of just feeling less of a woman. But, um, I have definitely read it, um, in many places where others have experienced it. And, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's such a hard thing, um, that when you're going through infertility, it's just, uh, even like my husband, you know, he, he does such a good job, like with, you know, just being there for me and trying to understand. And, um, he does great, but even him, he's like, you know, when I'm with the guys, they don't talk about that kind of stuff. They don't talk about, you know, like, uh, getting pregnant and having children and all that They're He was like, they're dads. He was like, but you know, I don't feel like less of a man. Like you feel like less of a woman when you're with a bunch of women who can build bear children. So, yeah, well, I think it's probably because it's not, I just interviewed last week's episode, um, that aired was male factor and it was, mm-hmm. it was a different conversation. He actually felt mm-hmm. very much like a failure in all aspects of mm-hmm. his life. Um, which is such an interesting f- switch. Um, mm-hmm. But with you, it's with the, with the uterus, with your tubes. I mean, that's, that's heavy. So mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, how, so how have you been able to, I mean, you're still smack dab in the middle of this journey. There's no, you know, like we say all the time on here, there's no pretty bow wrapped up saying, Oh yeah, it is done. Here's my gift. It's yeah. a miracle. <laughs> you're still in the middle of it. So how are you, how are you fighting that, that, that mindset? Oh my goodness. I am by no means an expert for sure. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely, I, you're right. I mean, I'm right in the middle of it. Like I, I was just talking to a friend last night, um, a good friend of mine. And, um, I was just telling her, like, I'm still trying to figure out, like how to handle this, like what to do with my emotions. Um, especially since, I mean, you know, last year it, it's still, even though it's been a year, it's still so fresh and new. And I'm trying to, um, I feel like I should be further along in, um, my walk with God and all of that by now. But, um, I'm trying to give myself grace in that. I think giving yourself grace and just knowing, um, that it's not, you know, hurt, and sorrow and all of that, this side of heaven is, um, it's going to be there. You know, it's, it's going to be hard to escape it. Um, you know, I, I feel like lately, um, you know, I feel like, uh, it's all just, it's been in my face a lot lately as far as just, you know, my friends being pregnant and all of that. Um, but in a sense, you know, my friend made a good point and that, you know, she, she said, I feel like it's always going to be there though. And I was like, you're right. You know, especially because it's not like, um, like even if we adopt one day, which we are, we're praying and hoping for, um, that brokenness with my reproductive system is still there. It's still a thing. Like I still can't, um, naturally we can't, uh, you know, get pregnant and I can't, um, you know, carry my own child. Um, but yeah, I have to remind myself daily, um, every day, just about, it feels like, um, just especially if first Corinthians four sixteen, um, 
you know, it says that, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And um, when I first like read that verse, just being in my situation, uh, oh gosh, I just cling to it because I just, I felt, yeah, I just felt that like my, I do feel like my outer self, even my, you know, my physical body here is just, it's broken, it's wasting away. I mean, you know, but I, I try to remember that like my, my soul, just my, my inner self, what he's doing for, um, just, he's preparing me and us for eternal glory, like the weight that that holds and the things that happen. Um, so it's, I mean, so (laughs) I don't know if, um, you are familiar with like Enneagrams. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not an expert, but I I've dabbled a little. (laughs) Yes. So I'm super into it. All of my friends know that. Um, I, so I'm a four and fours are the, like the, um, they call them like the romantic individualists, but we're basically just super emotional people. (laughs) And so I have to, uh, like reigning in my emotions is a big one for me. Um, Satan definitely knows how to, to pull on those strings, uh, when it comes to my emotions. Um, so it's, I have to, you know, constantly remember just to like, um, to remind myself of God's truths and not whatever I'm conjuring up in my, in my heart and my mind, um, and how I feel because that, that tends to take over a lot. Yeah. What, speaking of your emotions, you mentioned your friends a few times. So you're in that season that a lot of people are in right now that are in that 20, 30 year range where everyone's getting pregnant around you, all of your friends, all of your family, um, baby shower after baby shower. (laughs) So how are you working through that as your friends share their news, um, as you're getting those invites, how are you working through those? I think, uh, communication, I think is a big part. Um, loving communication for sure. Um, so for me, um, working through it looks like, you know, uh, just, just talking to my friends, like, and just, you know, they're obviously very aware of my situation. Um, and they've all been really great. Um, but I, I think keeping that communication with, um, with them is huge. And, um, you know, I, like my sister-in-law, uh, and my brother-in-law, when they, uh, they actually came to me and my husband privately and told us, um, before just telling everybody else. And that honestly really helped us. It was still hard, but, um, them just coming to us and they were like, look, we know this is hard. Like we, if you want to be bitter, if you want to be mad, if there's those times where you feel that, like we understand and it's okay. And, uh, and they, yeah, it's just the communication is just really big. Um, but you know, like I said before, just remembering to give people grace, I have to remind myself that, um, and know that like, if, you know, when things are said around you, um, or if they, you know, your friends start talking about, um, being pregnant or trying or babies or just mom stuff, um, I have to remind myself to like, you know, just give, give yourself and give other people grace. Um, because, you know, you can't 
expect people to just think and say the right things all the time. Um, I think a big part, like I said, is just communication. Like, uh, I, thankfully all of my friends are new or they're newly pregnant. And so we haven't gotten to like the baby shower part yet. Um, but I, um, I know that, you know, that they know that I, you know, you do what you need to do. So for me, I guess that just, it it, will depend on, um, I hate to say how I'm feeling because you shouldn't base your, you know, your actions on just how you feel. But um, like if you're feeling like, especially for me, like if this is not going to be um, beneficial for me to go, then maybe, you know, I might even consider not going to the bigger baby shower, but getting her something small um, and I don't know, celebrating with her just in a different way. Um, and I think my friends, like they, they're like I said, they're really good and they, they understand and they know that. Um, but it's definitely hard. Um, like I said, I'm no expert. I'm still trying to figure out my emotions and all of this and, um, just how to, to really lean into, into Christ. And one thing I read somewhere, um, was that, you know, when you're in a season of waiting, whatever that looks like, you know, um, do what waiters do and serve. And so that um, that hit me really hard. And so I, you know, with us not having children right now, um, I'm trying to see like what that looks like. And so, you know, with our community groups um, and just getting together with any of them, you know, when a lot of them have kids, we try to serve them um, how we can. And either like, I think uh, right now in our house, we have our entire upstairs is I turned into like this children's area where there's like toys, there's like a baby gate. Um, and that's for when our community group comes over, their kids can go upstairs and they can play and someone can kind of watch over them while we have community group. Um, and so I think just trying to, I think when you serve people, it takes the focus off yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so that's, that's something I'm really trying to keep in front of me um, when it comes to all of this. Mm-hmm. Well, I think communication is a key factor there because I, I hear a lot of people reach out that don't have friends that are dealing with infertility, just like what you're doing. You, you said you do not have one friend that has experienced it. Um, but if you don't talk about it and they don't know, then, then, then things, a lot more things that I would say are going to be said that are going to be hurtful. Questions are going to be asked that are going to be hurtful. Um, and you're going to just feel more alone. But if you will, if you will open up, even if you don't want this big public story, if you'll open up to your friends and just let them know what's going on, at least some of that will be different, I I believe. Um, and then you can fill in the, fill in the cracks with grace, um, on the other side of that. But I think the enemy wants you to keep, keep your mouth shut because they ha- they're not experiencing it. So, but how many, how many, how many people do you know that are walking around dealing with cancer that aren't t- telling people, Oh yeah, I have cancer because you don't have cancer. Yeah. Like, no, when you have cancer, you're like, Hey, I need support. I need prayer. I need meals. I need, I need people to come in and help me. Um, this is similar. So, um, your life not might not be in danger, but there is definitely some some battles going on spiritually and emotionally mm-hmm. and physically. So, yeah, for sure. Well, as you look out towards your future, 
you got a lot going on the next the next what year? <laughs> when did you say the church launches? Oh goodness. Um I think we're aiming for fall of 20 um 21 but okay. really if we get a building sooner than that we could be launching as early as like the spring so, so you're birthing something this year <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. are okay so as you look out one year two years three years later if if there's if you still feel like doors are being shut you know IVF no adoption no if there are still no babies how like what do you feel like your walk with Jesus is going to look like? How do you feel like you will be? I know that's kind of a weird question because you're like, I'm not there. But that's how I had to process. I had to kind of move forward in the future to figure out emotionally, where will I be? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's a big one. That's a good point. Um, I was actually talking with uh, my husband the other night about this exact thing. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm trying hard to just be open-minded and um, not, because obviously before all of this, I was so narrow-minded. Like I had one plan, one plan alone. That was it. Like nothing else I had planned. Um, and that one plan, that one dream got crushed and just, I mean, I, I mean, completely stripped away. So I've been, um, I've been trying to figure out what that looks like. I, you know, I mean, even with me working um, in a church now and we're planning a church and um, obviously I'm hoping to really be involved um, in the things that go on on the inside of um, our church as well. Um, Like the, you know, the graphics and all that as well. I, uh, you know, I was wondering, I wonder what God's plan actually looks like for me. Like, I wonder if, you know, I was like, we might, what if we don't adopt until we're like, 35, which sounds to me sounds crazy, but it's really not, you know, it's not that crazy. I mean, people do it. And I was like, what if, you know, for the next 10 years, I'm just working in the church really closely with the church. And so it's been, um, it's scary and exciting to think about, but, um, I, one thing that I, uh, I think about is when we first got pregnant and that didn't work out. Um, and that, that happened and it's been, you know, four years now, three years or so. Um, I just think to myself, like I, especially how far I've come now in my walk with, um, with Jesus and my faith, I think to myself, I was not ready or spiritually prepared to be a mom and to raise a disciple, um, at that point. And I, I, I think obviously God, he knew that. And, um, I think through this, you know, Lord willing, we become parents, however that looks, but I just think about, I just hope that I am somewhere with my walk with God where, uh, you know, I, each day and each year that I get older, I want to be closer with God. And so I think to myself, like, um, I am going to be such a better mom than I would have been four years ago. That's for sure. Um, Because I'm so much closer with Jesus than I was then. And honestly, I don't think I would be if I hadn't had to walk through what we did. Mm. Um, I mean, it fully stripped me of my dreams and my plans and everything that I wanted to be. And so I feel like I had to like rebuild my life and who I was and, and find that identity in Christ and not in, um, 
a label here or a dream here on earth. So, um, I don't, I don't really know what it's going to look like. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy to think about, like you said. Um, but I, Joe, my husband, Joe, he says, you know, often, you know, is Jesus enough? Would Jesus be enough? And, um, I think that's just what I have to like hold on to and I have to keep saying yes to because he, he is. Um, so that's, that's kind of my future look for now. Um, you know, I, I pray that we're parents one day. Um, we're absolutely dying to just raise, um, children that look like Christ. So I, I'm excited to see what God has in store for us while being very scared at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably completely normal. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of where we were that before we found out about our daughter. It was we had I mean it was a four and a half year wait and it was it was a question I didn't answer one time. I didn't answer it and like okay moving on I feel good but it was a question I would just consistently have to go back to like, okay, if this, if this doesn't work, where am I? If, if a year from now, I don't have what I want two years from now, if, if I die and never get the child that I want, um, will you be enough? And sometimes I had to say it without really feeling it in my heart. And then other days it was simple. Yes, absolutely. You're enough. So it's a hard question to answer, but it's definitely, I think, I think it honors God when we can process that, that with him um, and, and say deep down, like past my emotions and past what I feel. Yes, you are. You're everything. You had some advice for the women that are walking through infertility. So would you share that with, with us today? Occasionally, um, I, I actually got this from John Piper, uh, I remember him saying occasionally, um, weep deeply Mm -hmm. and that it's okay to have moments of sorrow. Um, I do more often than not, because like I said, I'm a four, so I'm a very emotional person. Um, But then remember that um, Jesus is our living hope. Um, Our bodies are broken, but our King has come and He is already making us new on this side of heaven. Um, and I try to, like I said, cling to 1 Corinthians 4.16 that says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, and that He is preparing us for eternal glory. Yeah, that's powerful. It's okay to have moments of sorrow, weep deeply. Mm-hmm. But then remember, our bodies are broken, but our King has come. I can just hear him. I can just hear him saying it. It's <laughs> so good. Yes. <laughs> so good. So good. Well, thank you so much, for Kristen, for coming on. And like I said, sharing your story in the middle of just a year after some really heartbreaking um, news and reality. So really appreciate you being open and real and vulnerable with us. Yeah, of course. And we will be praying for family, your new church, lots of exciting yes. things. Yes, definitely. I don't know about you, but anytime I face something heartbreaking or hard, I want to remember Kristen's advice. Weep deeply, but then remember Jesus is our living hope. Our bodies are broken, but our King has come and He is already making us new on this side of heaven. Jesus is our living hope and He is enough no matter what this world brings our way. Weep deeply, yes, but remember too. Weep and remember. 
Before we go, though, since this is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, if you are experiencing a miscarriage or have in the past, I have a few things on my heart that I want to share with you. And number one, and I feel like this is so important for you to know, you are not alone no matter what the enemy may make you think. You are not alone. Number two, there will be a day that you are going to be able to breathe easier You're never going to forget, but you will feel joy again one day. Number three, Jesus wants our pain. He wants us to dump it at his feet every time it comes up. Don't let once again the enemy try to tell you, you should be over this. The Lord is tired of you. The Lord is tired of this, this issue that you keep bringing up. Don't let that happen. Jesus wants our pain. Give it to him every time. Number four, Don't let anyone tell you not to grieve the life that you have lost. There was life in your womb, sister, and it is gone. You are allowed to celebrate that life no matter how short or how long it was, and you are allowed to grieve the loss of that life. You're allowed. Give yourself permission, and if you need to, remind other people that you are allowed to do that. And although I don't know each one of your names and each one of your stories, I am praying over you guys this month that God would make himself known and near to you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joy and Infertility podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Whatever you're facing this week, remember, God is with you, He sees your heart, He loves you, and He is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.